be seated. Today we're continuing the series, One Word, which is where we describe that word that God is feeding into our lives and wanting us to live out. Our scriptures for today are first found in Matthew 28, 19 through 20. Therefore, go make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And then out of Matthew 22, 34 through 40. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees with his reply, they met together to question him again. One of them, an expert in religious law, tried to trap him with this question, Teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Jesus replied, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Well, it's my great joy today to introduce uh, my friend, D.G. Hollins. He is an ordained elder in the United Methodist Church, like I am. Um, I've known him almost 20 years now, which is crazy. It's crazy. Um, And he'll tell you a little bit more about himself, about his family. Uh, But he is the pastor right now. He's the pastor of online engagement with a group called Rethink Church, which is a national United Methodist organization. And as he's moved here, of course, he's transitioning out of that job, but they said, please, please stay on. So he's doing it for a couple more months as he looks for a job here. And the interesting thing about DG is uh, when I move, I'm going to another church. DG has a heart for having a job in the real world. I'm going to put that in quotes because I feel like my job is real, but y'all tell me it's not, that there's a real world out there. Um, To get a job in the real world... And then to minister to people who are very much on the fringes. So he has been a church planter. He's had a job in different places. Sometimes it's full-time ministry, but oftentimes he's looking for a job like he is now. And then he's meeting people where he is. And he has a heart for people who are atheists, who are agnostic, the people who are lost and who God is missing the most. Um, So you're going to be blessed as he shares his one word today. Would you all welcome him with me? Thank you, Laura. I, uh, I asked Laura if she ever told you guys how I met Laura and Kevin, and uh, she said, no, we've never actually said this. And maybe it's because she doesn't want it to be known. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but uh, Tiffany and I were told we were just trying out churches when we were in seminary, and, uh, and apparently y'all were doing the same thing. And uh, the preacher who was up there, and I want to say it was some seminary professor, but I don't know who it was. Tiffany says it's, uh, I don't know, anyway. And uh, he said, you know, turn to the person beside you and tell them you're a winner. And Kevin and I both turned to our spouses and said, you're a wiener. <laughs> and, uh, and I heard Kevin say that, and Kevin heard me say it, and we were like, buddy! <laughs> so that's, that's the story of how I met Laura and Kevin. And uh, Tiffany was just like, uh, I don't know if you were doing the same thing with Kevin or if you were used to him, but I don't know. Uh, but I just wanted to take a little bit of a moment to be able to say thank you. Um, you as a church have extravagantly loved myself and my family. Um, I have not been to a church in my ministry career yet that has loved us as much as you have loved us. Um, trying to fight back the tears, but I just, I cannot express to you how much I love you and how much I appreciate you. 
um, continue to be uh, how beautiful you are, not only to your clergy, but to every single person in this community. And God will richly bless you because you have richly blessed this world in me. And I want you to know that. Uh, So thank you so much. Uh, for that. Gracie loves you, Tiffany loves you, and I love you. And if I could somehow be able to cook a steak dinner for every single one of you, I would. Uh, So if you're hungry for steak, let me know. Give me at least uh, enough notice to be able to go buy a steak, and uh, and I'll cook one for you. Or we'll have tea or coffee or a beer. I don't care what it is. I just want to say thank you in some way. Even if it's just a really big hug, uh, that's fine with me too. (laughs) Um, Anyway, uh, Laura had asked me if I would be able to be a part of the one-word sermon, and, and I don't know if any of you uh, know very many preachers or speakers, but uh, you, you would know that uh, it's very, very difficult to be able to preach a five-minute homily as opposed to a 30-minute sermon. Uh, and then when she says, oh, it's just a word, <laughs> I was there thinking, wait a second, so you're just giving me one word, and I've got to stretch that into 30 minutes? <laughs> What are you doing to me? Why, why do you hate me? Why is this so cruel? Uh, but the first word that came to mind, uh, my wife and I lived in Albuquerque, New Mexico for a while. And I don't know if any of you actually know Richard Rohr, Father Richard Rohr. Uh, but uh, he's the sweet uh, monk guy right there in the image in the photo there. He is actually super world-renowned, and no one knows him in the States, which is so funny. Uh, but he is... Um, He is a monk, and he lives there in Albuquerque, and he started an organization called the Center for Action and Contemplation. And he, when he was in Cincinnati doing a church plant, which is the same place I was doing a church plant, uh, he said that he would go to social justice issues, and he would would join all the protesters and and point out the things that were not right in the world. And uh, he realized, as he looked to his left and his right, that he was with a bunch of professional yellers. (laughs) That's what he called them. Uh, They were really good at organizing, and they were really good at yelling, But they didn't have any depth. They didn't have any real, true, meaningful purpose other than just the the surface of wanting to make the world better. And he noticed that what they needed is some contemplation in their life. So the contemplation would have been fueling their action. And so he created the center for the action and contemplation. And uh, and as I got to know uh, Father Richard... Uh, deeper and deeper, he would tell me that the most important word in his organization is and. That word and, because you can't have just contemplation or you'll just sit around and, and going into the, the upper echelons of the sky or something. And then uh, you can't just have action and social justice stuff without having the purpose and the meaning behind it. And he said the most important word is and. And I thought to myself, wow, that's pretty awesome. Uh, I wonder if there are any texts that are very meaningful to me in the Bible that have an emphasis on this and piece. Uh, and, and of course, uh, Father Rohr, being a very uh, uh, Christian mystic and things like that, he, he loves the idea of, of us not being a dual-minded thinking people, a non-dual thinking is what he would call it. Uh, and it's basically saying, yes, we realize that as a society and as human beings, we want to separate things into two separate places. It makes things easier, right, when you separate things. Uh, Democrat, Republican, right? <laughs> and he would say, well, why would you do that? Because I don't think that Jesus would necessarily only choose one of those. And you could probably find Jesus in both of those. So why couldn't you realize that every issue probably has 17 different sides? It's not just two. (laughs) 
And why can't we look for Christ in the midst of all of the sides? That sounds like Jesus, doesn't it? So this and mentality, a both and, not an either or or mentality, but a both and. And so I went looking for uh, some of the most important scriptures in my life, and I noticed that there is and all throughout both of those scriptures. And those are the two scriptures that Greg read earlier. Uh, one of them you would know as the Great Commission, and the other one you would know as the Great Commandment, right? Uh, for those of you who are knowledgeable of, of the scriptures. And so I, I always want to point out that the Great Commission, uh, the Great Commandment can be found with, uh, the Great Commission can be found within the Great Commandment. But I always love to tell everybody about the importance of realizing what's really going on in the Great Commission, and then we'll talk about the Great Commandment afterwards. So the Great Commission is Jesus saying, go. He didn't say, stay right here. If you build it, they will come, does he? It's not the field of dreams mentality, Jesus. Uh, He says, go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I'll hear all the ands and teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you, and remember I am with you always to the end of the age. So here Jesus is actually saying, go and make disciples. Now, what do you think the term disciple means? Does anybody know what the Greek term for disciple is? Laura wanted to cheat first service. No? Anybody? Disciple? What do you think it is? Student. Thank you, Leaf. I love it. Oh, you're in the first service, cheater. Oh, man, I forgot you're in the first service. That's right. Student is what it means. Student or pupil uh, or my favorite, which is, do you remember? Uh, See, y'all weren't listening. Apprentice. Apprentice. I love that. I think it's just so cool. Uh, But student is what disciple means. So, but how many of you, when you read that text, how many of you hear the term convert when I say go and make disciples, right? So many of us have, in our brains, decided that we are going to say, go and make converts of all nations. Uh, There's an excellent book called The History of Christianity by Diana Butler Bass, and she writes in her book talking about how this idea of manifest destiny, of how we have to go conquer the West, right, got caught up within the Great Commission. And so this mentality of conquering the world also got caught up within the Great Commission, and so therefore we have this understanding of disciple being convert. We have to go conquer the world for Jesus mentality. But if convert is not the meaning and student is the meaning, then we have to ask ourselves, what does it mean to go and create students of Christ? What would that look like? How would that occur? And uh, and if you keep with the student mentality and the the student... um, analogy that's going on there, uh, Jesus then goes on to say, uh, after he says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, and then he says, and what? Baptizing, right? Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So that is when a student would declare a major of Jesus. That's the baptism part. That's the declaring the major piece. But are we as a church good at creating spaces for people to be students of Jesus before they have declared Jesus as their major? How can we create space for people to be so intrigued by Jesus that they're asking questions and they're, they're wondering and they're filled with awe? We need to create those spaces as a church in this world. Now, 
I don't think that we can create those spaces effectively unless we actually live into the great commandment. And uh, Donna Butler Bass would say, you can find the great commission within the great commandment if you are listening well. Those who have ears hear <laughs> kind of a mentality. And so we're going to come to the great commandment, right? So here's Jesus. And you have to understand that uh, before this time period, they were trying to catch Jesus saying the wrong thing so they can bring up charges against him and get him to just be quiet, to shut him up because he's saying things that are rocking the world and we don't want our world, we don't want our world rocked, do we? We enjoy the peace and the comfort and, the <laughs> and we enjoy those things in our life too, right? So they're trying to catch him to say something wrong and they, they, they threw up something, they threw something else at him, they threw something else at him and finally it says that uh, when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, see, that was the previous group that tried to get him, they gathered together, and one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him, right? So uh, you have to imagine, um, imagine this almost like a school uh, playground, and everyone circled around Jesus and all the religious leaders, and you can almost hear them say, fight, 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 fight. Like a theological fight's going on. And so here they are, and they're like, oh, we got him with this one. We are totally going to take him down with this one. Now, in Mark, which is the same scene, just written by a different person, in Mark, it says that Jesus starts off with the Shema. Now, does anybody know what the Shema is? Yeah, yeah, of course, Lee. Yeah, thanks, Lee. First, first service. You know what the Shema is? What is the Shema? Can you, can you recite it? Oh, he's going hardcore. Okay, so what is that in English? You did a wonderful job in Hebrew. That is awesome. <laughs> That's right, yeah. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. If you are a good Jewish person, you go to sleep with that as the last words on your tongue, and when you wake up, that is the first words out of your mouth. If you want to be able to get the attention of a Jewish people, you say this. So you can imagine, everyone's hushed around him. Oh my gosh, here he comes, here he comes, here comes his answer, here comes his answer. What's going to happen, what's going to happen? And Jesus silences them all and says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. It's almost as if Jesus hushed the crowds because he was about to say something that would totally transform the very way they eat and breathe and sleep, the way they act, the way they think. Something is going to shatter the very existence of every single human being on this planet. And Jesus says, love the Lord your God. With every ounce of who you are, basically, right? And then he says, with all of your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and the second is like it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. That and, and the second is like it. If you go to the Greek and you check out that term, uh, like it, it's actually an equaling statement. So what this could be translated as, and I personally love this translation, is you should love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all of your mind. In other words, love your neighbor as yourself. If you want to live out your Christianity the way that Christ has expectations of us all, 
if you truly want to have every fiber of your being in love with God, then the way you live that love out is you love other people. If you want to love God, you love other people. The way you love God is loving other people. Now, I don't know if you hear how difficult that is. Jesus goes on to talk about who a neighbor is, and it's not your best friend. It's not even sometimes your actual neighbor. It's usually the people you can't stand. It's usually the people that are spitting in your face and throwing a crown of thorns on your head and crucifying you in front of everyone. Jesus is telling you, if you want to love God, then you will love others. How can we create classroom settings And how can we be able to allow our love to overcome our hate or our anger or our sadness or our frustrations or even the things, I don't know, that that offend us? Are you willing to go to places that offend you because your love is stronger? That's the reason I love hanging out with atheists, agnostics, and secular humanists. Because I love them. Jesus loves them. And the way that I love Jesus is to love them. With every fiber of my being, I love them. And I want to create within them a passion for asking Jesus questions. So that someday, 20 years from now, if that's what it takes that they'll declare their major of Christ. I invite you to join where God is already at work in this world because he is sitting and holding those people in this world that need your presence of the Holy Spirit in their lives. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Pray with me. Lord God, we know that you don't call us to places that you haven't been. Jesus, you've walked amidst people who were gunning for a fight, people who spit on you and mocked you, and you did show love. And so please, Lord, help us to love, not just you, but to find that and and love our neighbors. Show us this week the one person that you need us to sit with, to talk to, to put our arm around, to just be present with so that we could be people who create spaces where people can ask questions about you, can learn to love you on their own. We ask this in the name of our Savior. Amen.